the midnight hour. Matthew 25 verses 1 to 13. I'm reading Matthew 25. He says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And he says, The foolish ones took their lamps and did not take any oil with them. Verse 4, he says, The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. And then he says, The bridegroom was long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. Verse 9. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, you go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Verse 10. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Verse 11, later others also came. Sir, sir, open for us. And then verse 12, he says, But he replied, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. And then verse 13 says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Hallelujah. Now the next topic becomes the wedding banquet. When the Lord said, wedding banquet, and those who were ready with him went in with him into the wedding banquet. So the title in capital letters, Wedding Banquet, underlined. When he said so, what did he mean? The Lord, when he mentions the wedding banquet in this parable, what he intended to project forth to the church is the great, great, great disposition of love that he has towards the church. Why? How? How is it a great, great, great disposition of love that has never been seen, that cannot be understood? How is it? Because by so doing, from his upper chambers of wisdom, and we know in those chambers once in a while, he can just release a little wisdom like this for architecture and new types of buildings are being built on the earth. He releases just a little bit of wisdom like this on medicine and a new drug is discovered. The upper chambers release a little bit like this. New types of aircrafts are now being built. Imagine the vastness, the inf infiniteness of the wealth of the treasures of the wisdom of God in the upper chambers. He's saying that if he had spoken with us in those terms, we would not have understood him. That if I had spoken to them strictly on God's terms, the way God speaks, they would not understand me. So in other words, he's saying that the great disposition of love that the word wedding banquet projects, throws into the church, is because out of the failure, our narrow capacities, understanding capacities, out of our failure, our slowness to understand him, he's saying that he was forced, compelled to bow down the heavens. And meet us at our level then. By referring to royal banquet, royal feast, 
in this parable, the omnipotent God wanted to demonstrate to mankind, to mankind, his greatest disposition of love towards the church. He wanted, in other words, to show the world how much great love he has for the church. And that love, remember I said it? The bowing down of heaven on his knees in order that the church may understand what he's talking about. Otherwise, we would have never understood a thing. I think they love most. Oh, they always go to weddings, right? Let me use that to talk to them. I'll be able to reach their hearts. Number two, he's saying, God's infinite mind cannot be comprehended by man because of the loftiness of his wisdom. God's infinite, God's unending mind cannot be understood, cannot be comprehended by mankind because of the loftiness of his wisdom. Thereby necessitating this parable. Kumbe is not even right. It's not something to take for granted. That parable is very deep. The Lord is raising from that parable the fact that, wow, God is so lofty and very high up there. If he wanted to talk to us in his normal terms, in his normal language, we would have understood nothing. So to come and talk to us in terms of parable, our lifestyle things down here, Oh, that was a great love to begin with. And then, then number two, he said, he essentially brought heaven on his knees to put his knees down to reach us. Heaven bowed down. Ah! And this point I'm going to repeat severally because I don't want to lose it until he comes. Amen. That heaven really bowed. Even in Kisumu, when the cloud came down into this church, it amounts to bowing the heavens on their knees like this, tilting it like this down to leave his lofty place to meet you in your level. Huh? That is love. Hallelujah. And to emphasize this point that we cannot understand him because of the loftiness of his wisdom except that he reaches us through these ways, let us read Isaiah 55. Under that is Isaiah 55 verses 8 to 9. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. Hallelujah. 8 to 9. Look at what he says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Did you understand that now? So you don't take things for granted. You begin to appreciate God through this parable. You say, wow, he did that for me. He had to come all the way down here to use our earthly things like wedding, banquet, because he saw that we love it, in order to begin now to dispense to us deeper truths about the salvation of the cross, number two, about the glorious kingdom. You see that? How much love that he can do that, Germany? Right? This is what I want to bring to you, that you may never take God for granted. It always begins with the fear of God, reverence unto God. Once you catch that, once you catch it, that reverence unto God, the fear of God. So you don't take the Bible for granted. It's not a novel. Now you have understood it's not. It is deep. Now you begin to understand, wow, this parable, I've been reading it so much. Kumbh, it has so much like this. It speaks so much. 
It also speaks about, wow, the heavens are His. So we'd rather just align or conform right now here than to say we are going to heaven and if you look at them, there's no conformity. The trousers, remember? Trousers, what, careless living. Then they, oh, they're saying, that heaven, you might find me there when you arrive. And you look at her, how she's dressed, and then you are like, Oi. I think there is need for information. Information is power, and then they can transform. But we cannot take it for granted that we have this. It's just through his election. He elected us to do this, right? Hallelujah. So he's saying that even the manner in which he can annul, he can bring to nullity his wisdom, cancel it, and then come to talk to us in terms of this level here, our level, our, our conditions, our terms here, when he says wedding banquet. When actually this is not even a wedding banquet. By the way, it's not. And these are not brides. These are bridesmaids. You see that? So this is not even a wedding. You see that? But to be able to come down to us and speak to us in our terms, first of all, you must just stop there, kneel down, and just honor God. You say, I thank you. I th thank you very much. In fact, now I'm understanding that if you didn't do that thing, eh, if you didn't come down like that, me, I would be finished. I don't know about others. Maybe they're geniuses in heaven. But for me, I know that I would have not made it. I just want to thank you that you decided to just nullify your wisdom and your levels and just try to reach me. Yes, sir. When you reach there, you first stop. You say, wow, me, I'm shocked at this act. Because God can decide to be God if he wants. <laughs> and then everything else changes, right? New game, right? Hallelujah. Another point. By mentioning wedding feast, royal banquet, this parable essentially demonstrates to us that God Almighty presented to us one of the key fundamentals of God, humility. He really showed us that he is humble. Wow. Huh? To agree to nullify, annul the heavenly wisdom. Hmm? If you notice that, then you begin to appreciate God. Because you see that he essentially presented his humility to us. That is how humble I am. I'm able just to forget about everything and try to reach you. And like I said, great love for the church. To do that right but let's move on right the other point he says the lord also uses the word royal banquet to show us just how low we caused him to come down to the extent that it became an abuse unto his wisdom that's the condescendence i was talking about condescending he just wanted to show us that, look how low you caused me to come. In other words, how much abuse my wisdom was caused to suffer. To use wedding, these carnal weddings of theirs, to now start to talk about the matters of the kingdom. You understand? To use their carnal weddings, you understand? To start talking about the kingdom of God. He just wanted to show you the cost he incurred. How much condescendence, how much abuse and blackmail his wisdom had to suffer for him to come that low for you, to come and meet you there. 
that is now where the gospel is. That one, that's where it is. That's now God coming down to man. He says, so, so now, even, even the pastoral, you see the level of loftiness, and you see how much you are not able to bow down your wisdom. But, how much more the Lord? Huh? Did you understand? That he can come all the way and suffer abuse in his eternal wisdom. And now to use some funny human wisdom down here, what they like most, to reach them on this. That cost must be highlighted. Hallelujah. He just wanted to show us how much abuse his eternal wisdom suffered in order to instruct mankind in their narrow capacities, meaning in their narrow understanding capacities, you understand? <laughs> On matters of the kingdom. Narrow understanding capacities. Now, that, that is so humbling, right? Because sometimes you look at the way professors walk, eh? Oh, yes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, and then you say, hey, this man is so high. <laughs> or bankers, whoever. I'm just using professors as an example. Then you see people are so high. And then you say, this man is so high, so educated, I cannot share with him the gospel. He has no time. But the question then becomes this. Now, when you read what I'm talking about here, I, who is wiser? Tell me that. Then you hear that he had to come down in our terms to bridge for the deficit of our understanding capacities. Huh? He said, our narrow understanding capacities. He could not speak in terms of heavenly stuff. He was forced to speak in terms of earthly things for us to be able to understand, comprehend the truths of the cross and the salvation thereon, and then the matters of the kingdom, the deeper truths of the kingdom. Then you're like, hey, let us just humble. God actually is higher wisdom, right? So even if you are now top banker, top professor, top engineer, top pastor, I don't know what top something, right? Lawyer, top generals of the army, eh? whatever you are, top members of parliament, whatever you are, Kumbe, we are much, much lower than God. Yes, who is doing who a favor? That is the truth I wanted to bring to the church. That from today on, that thing has been now resolved. Now it has been resolved. Let us now just fear God. Uh, yeah, because if you find teachers, teachers say no. Teachers say we are the ones. All those pilots are the ones who teach. Those doctors, we mold them. We, we can destroy or build. We mold them in our hands. So whatever that ranking is or your cadres are, just know one thing. That for God to reach us, actually it was our privilege even to know that he can do that. He suffered abusing his wisdom to reach us. Why? Because he wanted to bridge for the lack of understanding capacity. Oh, I wanted to bring that to you. You must understand that. Otherwise this parable becomes a song. No. There is so much about God that comes through from there, right? Speaking to the church. Can I take it a little stretch further? Now look at this now. Many times you go into a conference, seminars, department, or otherwise. If you came and you found the, the, the signaling people talking about their stuff, how the pathways go this way, we worked on this one, deleted this gene, then we cloned it where, whatever. There is a conversation there. Okay. Now if you go to the HIV people, right? You go to their seminars. 
And you hear them talk about now this type of virus has mutated. We realize now it is using this as a docking site, whatever. You hear them. You go to the professors of law. You say, ah, we found out that there is need to reform the system. If the, the legal judicial system, the, the one that works is now this model. They're doing those things, professors of, of law. Professors of now computer design and software, whatever, engineering, right? They took their things, right? Deep things. A professor of philosophy giving a talk in a symposium on deep issues of human behavior, you know? <laughs> you understand? <laughs> they go very deep, the professors of surgery here, right? How we use laser, we don't non-incisive, whatever, we now just direct this there, whatever. They give those talks. And then you're like, wow, this person, eh, you are shocked by these things, right? We are stunned when a very highly learned person can continue to give deep truths in his field and then come down, look, look, look now, come down at home in his house when you find him with a baby in his hand like this giving porridge. Baby, baby doing like that. We are stunned at that, right? Only this woman can do that. But she's a professor. Granny, this man can do that. But he's a professor or he's an engineer or whatever, you know. So we are always stunned. So instead of professor of philosophy, psychology, or law, or whatever, use that example. A minister, okay, let's say a minister of government, right? And for, if they hear, they'll write in the papers. Do you know that this minister, when he reaches home, he still carries the baby, he gives milk, he washes the baby? So those are things that stun us. Hallelujah. Amen. We must be stunned at the Lord. You find them talking. And then how much more should we be puzzled that the Lord in his very high wisdom came to meet us and talk about the wedding banquet? This stunning parable mentions wedding banquet in order to bring to us the state with which we should be awed at God on how he could afford to lower the heaven, the higher heavens, together with the upper chambers of the infinite wisdom of God, right? And bow such loftiness of heaven. Huh? And bow down such loftiness of heaven in order to come down <laughs> and bow down such loftiness, such great loftiness of heaven in order to come down to meet us and instruct us and make us wise unto salvation. Ah! <laughs> and make us wise unto salvation. How he could afford the higher and bow them down to meet us in our terms. In order to make us wise unto salvation. To make us understand salvation, right? Can we move on now? By presenting this parable to the church and mentioning wedding banquet, God most high obviously intended to show us the amount of abuse that he had to suffer in order to come and meet our ignorance and our slowness to understand by presenting this abuse unto his wisdom 
by presenting to us this abuse of his wisdom. That abuse comes how? By mentioning wedding banquet. By presenting to us this abuse of his wisdom, God Almighty wanted to emphasize to us that he can go to any length in order to make us wise unto, number one, the glorious salvation of the cross. Number two, the glorious kingdom of God. I can go to any length in order to make you wise, to bring to you understanding on the glorious salvation of the cross. Number one, number two, the glorious kingdom of God. Are we together? Can I move on now because of time? By presenting the words wedding banquet, this parable, therefore, is designed to demonstrate to us God's unsearchable love for the church. Unsearchable love. The love you cannot understand for the church. Hallelujah. So we have gone, look, look, everybody. We have gone through the abuses, wisdom suffers to bring it to us. And we have gone through the show of love. Unsearchable love that he can even do that. Right? So these are the deeper insights into the gospel that some people jump when they read this parable like a storybook. So, now we have seen how he does all these things to use banquet. Wedding banquet. Royal banquet. Royal feast. We have seen how he does all these things. He goes through the abuse, the suffering. His wisdom has to suffer. He has to nullify the nullity. He has to nullify his wisdom and understanding capacity to come and meet our narrow minds, narrow understanding capacities, our childishness, our slowness to understand, our miscomprehension of the things of God. So, we have seen that suffering that he goes through in order to bring that to us. And also in the process, we've seen the great disposition of love that involves meaning wow he really loves the church that it can go to any length if that will mean bringing to us wisdom making us wise unto salvation of the cross and the kingdom of god right now let us go to the real matter so when he went and took the wedding feast in terms of the jewish life wedding banquet when he talked about the wedding banquet what did he then mean what did he intend now we've seen the cost what did he intend? Now look at this. The Lord from heaven, he watched down and he looked at the Jewish life. You see that? And he saw them, they had sowing season, they had witch season, they had this feast of what, they had all things, right? But he found out that there was one thing that was very characteristic of their lives. Which means when you see there's one thing that keeps repeating more, eh? more than the other. And he found out that weddings were a very common practice in Jewish life. Number one. So number two, in other words, you're looking at a child and you see what the child likes doing more, more times. Okay, so weddings were very common in Jewish life, number one. Number two, he found out that weddings, during weddings, and those, time, those days, the weddings took even seven days, right? The wedding feast, banquet. He found out that the wedding feasts, when they took place, this is what happened. People came even from far. 
with their mats for sleeping and stool. They carried clothes. Tomorrow I wear this cloth in this first ceremony. Second ceremony I wear this cloth. Next day I wear this cloth. So you saw that when they went weddings, it took long. Up to even seven days celebrating the wedding feast. The wedding banquet. And number three, when they were there, he saw that they were the happiest. If you were to plot a graph, and up here in the graph, you put level of happiness. Whatever quantum you use to gauge happiness, right? Whatever meter. And down here, you put the progression in Jewish life, right? Then you see the following. You see several peaks. At one point, there's a peak here. At one point, there's another peak here. At one point, there's another peak here. Where happiness peaks and comes up. Peaks. Then, then you find smart people tell you, find out what are the events happening during these times. And just focus on these events. Because they seem to like these events. Even marketing people say that, right? When they see there is peak, that at this time, Kenyans seem to be watching more TV. Again, when you come again, the peak, they're watching more. So if you want to advertise for your bank or your job or your uh, engineering, architectural company, whichever, just find out what is it that happens here and then put your commercial here. But I'm saying, in like manner, the Lord looked, if you plot now, level of happiness to progression, time of Jewish life, whatever, then you saw that there were low levels, and at one point there's a peak. Low again, another peak. Low, and if you plot the year, you find that these peaks are happening during a certain season. Then he said, then you rather focus here because the attention is higher here. Meaning, he found that that was the time also when there was maximum joy. If you, he looked at them he, during that one week of wedding, ah, they were so happy laughing, they were just high five. They so, said, so, ah, you're from Nazareth. Uh, for us, we've come from Jericho. So you, you see, there was so much joy sharing and they stayed long for one week. Then he said, oh, this is what they like doing most. Then let me use this to speak to their hearts. Did you understand that now? Oh, yes. He found that it was the most joyous time. And the joy, look, other than the other events where the joy is one day and people tomorrow are packing and going. The joy was stretched. Seven days. Today, what are we eating? He told us today he's slaughtering a lot of chicken because yesterday we ate lamb. And then tomorrow, what are we eating? Tomorrow, he said, he's preparing goat meat, special barbecue marinated. So they were eating and feasting, a wedding feast, banquet, for seven days, and tomorrow, different clothes. Again, everybody's ready by 6 p.m., there is a ceremony happening. And the wine poop is being champagne. Champagne is being popped up, wine, whatever. Right? Ceremonies. And so you saw they were happiest then. Then he said, that joy they so love, stretched and extended for that long, is what I want to use to speak to them and say, look, the kingdom of heaven is like that joy you love so much, but eternally. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh yes, that wedding you like enjoying so much, but eternally. It's not just seven days forever. If I say so, I know I will attract them to the kingdom of God. Do you understand how child like we are? Because now through that, he is a bet to attract us to like now the kingdom. 
Because he said it's like the joy when we love the wedding banquet. We wear new clothes tomorrow. It's a ceremony. In other words, he was implying that the kingdom of God is going to be a non-ending celebration. Wow. Then I must never miss the kingdom of God. It's going to be a non-stop celebration. So there was maximum celebration and joy. So in other words, the Lord was saying that the kingdom of heaven is like that celebration you love so much until you stretch it for seven days, but eternally. So if you come in, can you imagine that joy you like? It will be non-ending. So I will attract them to me. The other thing is this. When people went to wedding banquets, wedding feasts, wedding celebrations, that place, at that place, people were told, that's why you see they came from Nazareth, from Jericho, from wherever, Jerusalem, they walked, they went there. At that place, they said, you just come with an empty stomach and a wide smile <laughs> on your face. That's what they say, right? Just come with a wide smile on your face and an empty stomach. So, it was known that when you were invited to a wedding feast, once you received the card, you just make sure that day from morning you don't touch nothing. You are just, in fact, you're mostly drinking fluids you want to clear up, right? Yes. <laughs> Did you understand how the Lord was speaking to these people? And so he knew that if you were to have a gauge to test the hungriness of people and put it at the gate when people are entering, test the hungriness, wow, 95%. Hungriness, you'd find big figures of hungriness. Everybody has come hungry. So people came hungry to the wedding feast because in the wedding feast there is a what? A feast. There is a feast of good food. So the Lord used that. He watched very carefully what the Jewish people did. Then he said, oh, now let me explain to them and use that to reach them, right? Let me tell them that the kingdom of heaven is also like that. Such that for those who have been very God hungry. Hallelujah. Somebody remembers. Somebody remembers Enoch. Enoch walked with God. And on a daily basis, he was hungrier for God. Until God said, enough is enough. I take you with me. Did you understand? That's what the Lord was using. He was saying, that I am noted that they come very hungry. And when they come there, they normally feast and they are satisfied. So let me tell them that the kingdom of heaven is like that. For those who can't get enough of God on the earth here. Sitting here hungry for God. Hungry for God all of the time. They are young. They are what? They are single. They are eunuchs. They are what? Just hungry for God here. They are married with their families. Hungry for God left and right. Let me tell them that on that day there will be the feasting of the souls. You will have enough and feast on God. You will see him seated right there with you. Your souls will be satisfied. Did you understand? That is what the Lord was intending. <laughs> That's what he intended. So did you understand now? So he was using this, the wedding feasts, the life, the events around the Jewish life, their cultural lives, to be able now to reach them. That's what I meant by he bowed down the heavens to reach them. Because he looked and said, okay, they like that. Let me tell them it is like that kind of joy, but eternal. 
It is that type of feasting they eat. They normally ate until they just lay like this on the mats. And when they woke up, take a drink, and say, what are you drinking? This is juice. Which one is this? Uh, uh, may I just want apple? Which one? You see, whatever. So you saw them doing those things. Then he said, that is how the kingdom of heaven will be. Your hungry souls will now feast eternally. Every day will be a feast. Because God will be there. Seated right there on the throne. And death is over. There will be no more separation from God. Oh yes. Because the wedding was the most joyous occasion in the Jewish life. Right? Because the wedding was the most joyous occasion in the Jewish life. The Lord then decided to use it. To convey forth the message on the coming of the kingdom of God. Can I move on? The Lord essentially used the words wedding feast, stroke wedding banquet, stroke royal feast, stroke royal banquet in order to bring the kingdom of God. To this present church by telling them are we together that as it is joyous in their wedding feasts so shall it be joy unspeakable to the partakers of the kingdom of God the Lord was therefore implying that the coming of the Messiah at the rapture is meant to be a ceremonial event characterized by a joyous celebration. Are we together? Can you still narrow down on this same point? By using the words wedding banquet, the Lord therefore intended to speak to the present day church that as it is decorated at their wedding celebrations so shall it be pomp and color at the glorious coming of the Messiah hallelujah pomp and color it will be celebration pomp and color well decorated and under that first Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 16 to 17 for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud shout, a trumpet call, the shout of the archangel, pomp and color, victorious king. As they always felt victorious in the family when they had a wedding celebration, so did the Lord imply that at the coming of the Messiah, all will be victorious. For the partakers Thereof, yes, is implying the partakers, right? Since the Jewish weddings required some very serious preparations, do you see how he was talking to them? Since human weddings require some very serious preparations, since church weddings require some very serious preparations, whatever you write, right? Since the Jewish weddings require some very serious preparations, then the Lord used the phrase wedding banquet with the intention of conveying the message 
on the need to observe some serious preparation for the coming of the Messiah. The coming of the reign of God will require some very serious preparation. So do you see how he was using the wedding banquet, right? They normally prepare very well for a long time. He was using the same. He was saying they must prepare well, even for this coming kingdom. Adequate preparation. This need for preparedness in relation to a wedding banquet was the most appropriate way in which the Lord underscored the need for the church to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. This need for preparation, preparedness, that he was underscoring, he was relaying to them that they do for the wedding, right? Their weddings. Look at this now. Is the need for preparedness. He was bringing to them the need for preparedness for this coming of the Messiah. Look at that. Now look at this. This need of preparedness for the coming of the Messiah. The Lord underscored it in another parable. Where he also mentioned the wedding gown. Do you understand now? So this need for preparedness for the kingdom of God. The Lord underscored it using another parable at which he also mentioned the wedding banquet. But this time around also highlighted the need for a wedding gown. Do you understand now? He's trying to say that this thing is important, that need for preparedness. Because in another parable, Matthew 22, 1 to 14, in another parable where he mentions wedding banquet again, you hear him raising wedding gown. So this need for preparedness is key and central in any mention of wedding banquet. It was actually the underlying mission, in fact the sole mission for using wedding banquet. That he may capture their attention on what? Preparedness. That they may like it and prepare for it. Hallelujah. And because weddings are places at which there was non-stop feasting, then we can clearly see that the Lord used the reference to royal banquet, royal feast, wedding feast, to imply the fact that when the kingdom of God comes and God's rule is established, on that day also, the Lord will provide provision ad libitum unto his God-hungry people. Meaning, if you are so hungry for God, I just want God to touch me. I just want God to talk to me. I just want to feel God. I just want to hear God. I just, you know that type of people? He says, at that time, God will be right here seated with you. There will be feasting of our souls. Our souls will grow fat in the matters of God. The word will be revealed to us. If, if you love the word, even much more will be revealed to us in heaven now. Those mysteries of the word we didn't understand here. We'll now understand there. You understand what I'm saying? If you love the word that much, now you can imagine how much more you love it and be satisfied there. Hallelujah. So I told you, it's, it's not a storybook. No, 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 it's very deep. The feasting of the hungry, perishing souls. Hungry and starving. So, can we give those examples of feastings? The first one, A, Isaiah 55 verse 1. Isaiah 55 verse 1. Can I read it? In fact, you can take it one to two if you want. It says, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine 
and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me. Eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare and so forth. That's one of them. The level of feasting that's coming up. The other one is Isaiah 25 verse 6. Can I read and see what it says? On this mountain, the Lord will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, and on and on. The feasting of, of the soul that will take place. Psalm 36 verse 8, right? Let's see what it says there. And it says, They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light they see light. Continue your love to those you know. Your righteousness to the upright in heart. May the food... It goes on about the feast. Hallelujah. Another one is Revelation 22 verse 1. Another one is Psalm 46 verse 4. Another one is Psalm 65 verse 4. And another one is Psalm 63 verse 5. Can I bring this to you now? Look at what it says in Matthew 25 here. Again, still on wedding banquet. You see that? Verse 10. He says, but while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. So I've just refreshed that a little bit and the door was shut. So when he said wedding banquet in this parable, what was the message the Lord was actually dispensing was delivering to the church? Look now. When he came, found those who were ready, then he went and entered with them into the wedding banquet. Meaning, when he brought forth the words wedding banquet, the Lord was principally referring to the kingdom of God. Now finally we have come to say it. It's because they went into the wedding banquet, went into the kingdom of God. So, wedding banquet here principally stood for the kingdom of God, right? Let me explain this. Now, now we have seen that the wedding banquet is the kingdom of God, right? But look at what he's saying. He's saying that out of that, now he had a certain intention, a particular specific intention. He purposed that when he says wedding banquet in reference to the kingdom of God, you and I would begin to develop the following portrait, the following painting, the following imagery, whichever way you want to put it. You develop with the following understanding. Number one, a decorated tent. Wow, this deco, right? The picture in your mind, the painting in your mind, the image in your mind would present to you, wow, a decorated tent, right? With flowers in place. You see the way they have done these things, right? Nicely put, deco, internally decorated. There is normally a ceremonial tent for that wedding, right? There's a tent that is decorated, everything, flowers have been put, jewels, what, lighting systems, different types, colorful, whatever. He wanted you to understand that, to have that in your mind. When he talked about wedding banquet in reference to the kingdom of God. So he wanted you, first of all, to get this. The decorated tent. Number two, he wanted you also to develop a picture of the tables have been dressed. 
tables have been dressed and the white tablecloths have been applied across. They are glorious. They are white. You can see them from a point. The tables have been dressed. The tent is very nicely decorated and the tables have been prepared. You understand? The tables have now been well dressed. Number three, he wanted you to develop a picture, the imagery of the food has been served. Those urns have now been served and the cover is covered. It is shiny like a mirror, right? And under it there are candles burning, right? That is the picture the Lord wanted you to have when he mentioned the word wedding banquet, royal banquet, so that you would now realize that the tables are served, the table is dressed, served, the tents are decorated already, the decor is in place, but there is an empty seat and it's written reserved. So that when you realize that empty seat, it would stir you up to say, just a moment, I must sit there. Yes, because, oh yes, because it's mine. My name is written there. If I don't sit there, who will sit there? Everybody has their seat. Did you understand me? That's what the Lord wanted you to understand. And once you develop that understanding, then your focus will be on this seat. Once people are seated now, and then they say, so, so we are full now, we are full now. Uh, every seat is covered, it's covered now. Please, can you now close the gate? Uh, we are now full, please. Lord, Lord, please knock. No, 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 sorry, we are now full. All seats are occupied now. Uh, no, don't let anybody in now because all seats have been occupied now. Did you understand? That he wants you to develop that picture so that you can focus on that seat. Saying the following, that this vision the man of God gave here, the prophecy alert, May 4th, 2014. He's saying that when you read this vision, then you understand the gravity and significance of what I've just described. Because in this vision, you hear the man of God also describing, look, the rapture takes place, the church is taken, then the man of God also describes the rolling on the dust on the soil and the crushing teeth to the extent that when he woke up, he checked his teeth on the mirror. He thought he had crushed them. If the rolling and gnashing of teeth on the dust and weeping and wailing, and then he woke up. Meaning, are all the seats full now? Don't open at all because all seats are occupied now. All the guests we invited are now here. And then the door is closed. So then, the Lord wanted that when you develop that imagery of the wedding banquet, the royal feast, that now you would focus on that empty chair. And when you do so, you would ask yourself the following question. When the door will be closed, when the master will now say, the master of ceremonies will say, we are now full. We are now full house. All the invited guests have sat. I've verified the IDs. They have sat. They are the right people. Please, can you now close the door? Don't allow anybody else to come in now. We just have enough for these people. So, when that door will be shut, on which side of the door will you be? That is the question the Lord wanted to bring to your hearts. Did you understand? On which side of the door will you be? Because he's saying the following. That uh, when that door is shut, that all the guests have entered. The Lord is using this phrase, wedding banquet, to challenge your hearts, to stir up your souls, and to ask you, on which side of that door will you be? When that declaration, and the declaration is here, Matthew 25, look at this declaration at the end of verse 10. He says, and the door was shut. On which side of the door will you be? 
Because the worst thing that can happen, Lord, 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 please open for us. Meaning it's scary out there. You can almost tell the terror that's going on there, right? But the issue is, when that will be happening, I, I, I spoke it here. I said a great and a fearful separation will take place. I'm saying you can imagine you with your friend. Your friend is missing on the earth. And the door has been shut. So he wanted you to focus on that. So that the focus of the use of the phrase wedding banquet, wedding feast, royal banquet, royal feast, the focus, the center of it will now be that empty seat, will be the big question that that seat is trumpeting, shouting to the earth. Are you ready? Are you ready? The seat is there. Are you ready? Did you understand me? In a kingdom where there will be no more pain, no more thirst, no more hunger, no more sorrows, no more fearing Al-Shabaab and what? You'll be in the safety of God himself. Did you understand that? All problems considered solved. And peace and bliss, the highest state of blessedness forever. Did you understand that? So the focus of that statement was this, Jack. He says here, in this way, the Lord intended that the church develop a perspective or an imagery or a portrait of the wedding feast, the royal feast in heaven. Under it is A, is ceremonial tent decorated. A, ceremonial tent decorated. B, tables are set, are set, current, are set. C, the meals are served in urns, plus candles burning under the urns, right? See, the seats are well-dressed, clothed, dressed with bow tie. Ribbons have been tied on seats, beautiful ribbons, glorious, glossy. Drinks are served in jars. The glasses are clean and turned upside down on serviettes. <laughs> God is talking to you in your terms, right? <laughs> this is really condescendence unto his wisdom. Eh? <laughs> you say, now the glasses are clean. You people know these things. What they do normally when they bring glass to you, or bring you to that table, they take the glass. You, you know, you have just been given your seat, right? Then they take the glass, and the guy who has brought you there first normally takes that glass and check it like this. Check like this. Check like this. There is nothing, no dirt in that glass. Then he puts it there. Then he pours for you the drink. You see that? So these kind of events, he wanted them to picture prominently in your mind. Right? As you are reading Wedding Feast. The glass is clean. Turned upside down on Soviet. The napkin, the table napkins have been decorated like a crown placed there. Then he says, that card that's written reserved is already been placed there. As in this table is now reserved. You people, this table is now reserved. And you find him telling his fellow workers, they say, that table is already reserved for a party of five. Don't touch it now. He says, once you develop that picture, then your focus will be on the empty seat reserved. Because it's not reserved for you. That's yours now. And in the process, you do everything up and down, tooth and nail, by all means, to make sure that you observe those standards of God that will earn you entry into the kingdom. So, so I said, tent decorated. That's the portrait he wanted you to see in your mind, the picture, imagery. 
tent decorated, the tables are set with tablecloth, the meals are served in urns, candles are burning under, the seats are well decorated and dressed, and on the seats are written reserved at the back. Then the table has a card written reserved. And he said, when you will have that picture in your mind, when you read the word wedding banquet, you will also hear a certain trumpet. You will hear a certain shout, announcements, question answer. Are you ready? Look. But for you, are you ready? Look, it's for you. So you don't want to ever be on the other side. How are we together? Are you beginning to understand the seriousness of making sure you're just ready? Me, I want to be ready. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he's, that's what he says. Are you ready? You hear that trumpet. So now look at this now. Because I still wanted to bring this part where you have your group and you are now rolling on the soil, gnashing your teeth and you are imagining where they are seated. Did you understand properly now? You are imagining where they are seated. Did you understand that? And you are imagining the conversation they are having. Oh, so Pedro didn't make it, eh? Oh, he didn't make it. Oh, my. That guy didn't make it, eh? Ah, ah that guy scared me. When I saw him preparing, I was scared. Eh? So I'm saying, I'm just giving the example, a putative example, that you people will be there, drinks are being served, the worship has begun, the Lord is seated. And you are seated. And then, he's saying that in that way, when the Lord used the words wedding banquet, when the bridesmaids have now sat, he said the following, in that way then, then the Lord was essentially using the words royal banquet, wedding banquet, wedding feast, to portray forth, to send forth the following message, that on that day, when the Lord takes the church, when the bridesmaids get seated onto their reserved seats, in that banquet. Then now the Lord is seated. The fruit of the cross is seated. Then the kingdom of God will now be complete. Because now we can shut the door now. Now just shut the door now. All seats are occupied now. And now you can shut the door. Now it's okay you can shut the door. Now all seats are occupied. All slots are now covered. And the kingdom of God now is complete. Because the church, the bridesmaids, are now seated at their place, the empty seats. Huh? And the church, the fruit of the cross is now seated. And that would also mean that that is the day the kingdom of God will come to complete fruition. The fruitfulness, the fruit of the cross is seated there. In that way, wedding banquet it was intended to present the fact that on that day, as the church struck the bridesmaids, will take up their seats at the table, it will mark the completeness of the kingdom of God. As the church, who are the bridesmaids, will take up their reserved seats at the table in the kingdom of God, it will also mark the completeness of the kingdom of God. So when you hear wedding banquet, you know he's talking about the completeness of the kingdom at that time. You are supposed to be sitting on the inside heaven now. It also refers to the fact that on that day, the kingdom of God will see the fruit of the cross 
seated at the table. And hence that day will bring the kingdom of God to fruition. Hallelujah. Thank you precious people. I want to end here. And ask that if there is anybody that feels he has been touched. And that he would like to return to the Lord. To be ready for that rapture. Repeat this prayer with me. Say, precious Jesus, I surrender my life to you right now and repent of all sin and recognize the powerful work that Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. And I ask you, Lord, to wash me with the powerful blood of Jesus. And set me free from sin. I receive you Jesus. Into my heart. As my Lord and Savior. Please establish holiness in my salvation. And let righteousness be the hallmark, the standard, the indicator of my salvation. That I may see the glorious kingdom of God. Eternity of peace with God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I am born again. May the Lord bless you. See you in the next program. Shalom, shalom. Todaraba. Todalahe. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.